everyone. We are live for another episode of Growing with My Fellow Growers. I'm your host, Jack Greenstock, joined as always by an amazing panel. We've got a full house tonight. I'll pass it over first to Spartan Grown. What's up, everybody? I'm Spartan Grown. Happy to be here. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Spartan Grown, all one word, no spaces, or you can shoot me an email if you like at spartangrown at gmail.com and I can help you with your cannabis growing questions, either synthetic or organically. De debuting the new dude today. Got the fucking hawk going. I hope everybody likes it. I was going to say, it's only going to be so long until the chat calls it out. <laughs> They're already here. Rowdy420, Crack Babies, DWC, Real Red Hairs. It's crazy. Like I, Before I even click live chat, there's already people blowing up the chat. So it's awesome to see people here right as we start the live. So uh, welcome back, Spartan. Good to have you. Looking good, as always. Uh, but appreciate the new do. Uh, next up, we got Kyle Breeder. Hey, everybody. Uh, hope everyone's doing well. Uh, yeah, my name is Kyle Breeder. I specifically specialize in feminized breeding. Um, and uh, I do have some uh, a website where you can find those kind of seeds. It's uh, actually, I just had a brand new, uh, my whole website got rebuilt. We spoke about it last week. Well, it's completely done now. Uh, purebreeding.com, pbreeding.com, pure slash breeding.com or predicatedbreeding.com leads to one spot. So if you can figure out any one of those four, uh, you'll find my seeds. And uh, yeah, pure breeding, pure underscore breeding on Instagram and pure breeding on all social media platforms. And if you have any questions about breeding or what I have or for genetics or any kind of questions, I'm here for you guys. So thanks. Happy to have you back. And maybe we'll show off the uh, website later because I did show it off last week and it'll uh, show the listeners a little bit of the differences between the new one and the old one. Uh, it's always cool to see. But next up, we've got Matthew Gates. Yeah. Hey, everyone. This is Matthew Gates. For those who don't know, I'm an integrated pest management specialist, and I've been working in the cannabis industry for uh, quite a long time now. And uh, recently, I had a really great uh, presentation with um, uh, Christian, who uh, wrote a paper about the somoclonal uh, variation, uh, which is what we talked about last session. So if you're interested in that, you should check out last session's Cheap Homegrown, and also the Future Cannabis Project uh, presentation recently. Very interesting research. Always cool to hear from the researcher themselves and uh, go deeper into some of those topics. I know we definitely talked about it last week. I enjoyed hearing a little bit about it. Um, even though I'm somebody who grows from seed every time, I think it's interesting to kind of discuss some of the things that many of us have thought about for many years, growing clones and seeing some of the differences uh, from one to another or one environment to another, et cetera. Uh, even off the same plant sometimes people would notice a little difference but next up we've got dr mj hey guys yeah i'm dr mj coco from cocoforcannabis.com we publish articles tutorials and guides on the science and practice of growing cannabis i'm excited for a show i'd invite everybody to uh check out my youtube channel i'll be doing my next partest premiere giveaway i think wednesday evening so this coming wednesday just a couple of days check that out and yeah, should be a good show tonight. Looking forward to all the new par tests. Been seeing some cool new lights. I just watched one on uh, Migro or Migro today that had like a cutout in the middle of the light, which uh, was interesting for me to see. And it did fairly decent. Uh, I think it was a AC Infinity light, but uh, there's definitely some cool new stuff coming out of the market and always happy to see the testing and get the real raw numbers of uh, what it puts out. So I appreciate you doing that. And next up we've got Aaron the Grower. What's up, Jack? Panel <clears throat> Spartan looking good. 
Um, good to see everybody. Good to be back. I am Aaron, the grower that's ATG acres on Instagram and atgacres.com. Um, speaking of lights, um, I just bought 15 easy eight medic grows and I'm very excited about that. Um, doc helped me with that purchase a lot and, um, hopefully maybe either this episode or sometime in the coming weeks, we can, we can talk about that. So I'm excited. Definitely some cool lights and a great price point. Uh, I've seen a few tests on those and uh, definitely think people are getting a great uh, value per their dollar when getting those. Uh, next I can't up, wait to see him set up his 15 of them in one room. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a lot of uh, it's a lot of lights and a lot of uh, yield possibility underneath that amount of high quality light. So I'm excited yeah, to see what we're able potential. to pull off. Taking no prisoners. Hell yeah, that's what I like to hear. And uh, somebody else who does that as well is, uh, I think they were in Hawaii last week, but we're happy to have him back is uh, Russ Brandon. Maybe with us, maybe I uh, can't find the mute button right now, but oh, there we go. Sorry, there it is. I thought I was off mute, but yeah, I'm Brandon Rust. You can find me at Bokashi Earthworks on IG and also uh, my website, which is www.bokashieearthworks.com. Happy to have you back. Hope you had uh, safe travels and a good time. It looked like the photos from that I saw, uh, you enjoyed yourself. Um, even seeing some mushrooms and stuff out there. So pretty cool stuff. And uh, fucking ginormous. It was insane, dude. They was, were so big. I could literally sit on them. Dude, I was amazed by it too. I was like, are those real? What are we looking at? <laughs> it looked like a set, like a movie set, like something you'd see. Like, I don't know. It was just crazy. Was they were perfect. Yeah, yeah no, that's amazing. He was making uh, Danny. He makes biochar out of the pig bones in this pit, and he's been doing that for like seven years, remediating the soil, putting carbon down. It's really cool stuff for sure. But I want to uh, give Noah the grow a chance to introduce himself now. How's it going, everybody? Uh, yeah, I'm Noah the Grow on Instagram with two E's. You can find me there. I'm a medical grower from the Pacific Northwest and uh, happy to be here. Happy to have you back. And last but certainly not least, we've got the American one, Tao. Welcome. Hello, Jack Panel and everybody in chat. Um, I'm the American one on the YouTubes and the American one underscore with underscore Keens on the IG. If you just type in the American one on the IG search and look for the little man with the American top hat, that would be me, and I'm glad to be here. Yeah. We are happy to have you back, as always. Uh, I think this is our full regular crew. I think nine is where we uh, typically cap out, unless we have a guest. Uh, we get kind of the Brady Bunch view, at least on Zoom. I know over on YouTube, we can only see six of us. Aaron I said the iPad updated, so now that we can see his logo, even though he's not showing on video, which is good stuff. Um, we have Noah, the American one, and Brandon, who are not shown, but... Uh, I'll just introduce themselves and happy to have everybody back. So uh, Good to see everybody back. It is. It is. Uh, it's like a little family reunion almost every week. And I'd uh, love to talk a little bit about grow. I did just take a nap a little bit before the show. So I uh, was about to grab over at the bong and start token. So if somebody else has any uh, thoughts or topics that they want to get to tonight, maybe they could uh, take it over. I don't know about a topic, but you know what? I just realized the importance of, uh, I had, plants and solo cups and i put one in a one gallon container and one in a five gallon container 
And the difference in growth was amazing how different the one in the one gallon just it's doubled in size. It's the stems are like double in size. The whole thing is just so much different. It was an unbelievable thing. I'm still watching the one in the five gallon trying to get to this point where I want to put it into flower. So that's something we could discuss, but I was just noticed it. And yeah, it was amazing. The difference. Yep. I love that story. I, I mean, that's really true. And, and people think they're often like saving time by skipping a step or going into a larger container or whatever, but it just slows things down to, so I mean, to a crawl, right? And I even tried feathering in the watering, so it wouldn't be like overwatered. Yep, yep. yep, yep, that's the, the benefit of being in the right size pot. Yeah, I'm going through the same thing right now, so I completely agree with that. I had some, uh, some really important clones, and I was not trying to so much skip a step, but just uh, the situation I was in made me jump from uh freshly rooted to uh almost a seven gallon pot and they they ain't really done shit because they're and they're struggling because of that so i completely agree one thing to add i guess with that for uh growers out there is it often people will ask me oh how long should i veg for Uh, like looking for a number of days or weeks but for me it's more about your medium and how well the roots are occupying the medium that you're in so if you have a solo cup I'll usually wait until I see a root at least popping out of the bottom of that and then maybe wait a day or two before it starts to swirl. But it gives me an idea that it's pretty much well colonized, that pot. And then I usually go to a one gallon, although it's a little bit larger than a one gallon now, the easy swap pot. And I wait until that has pretty well developed roots all the way through the pot. And it's not a specific number of days. It depends in the summer. Things might be a little bit warmer. Humidity might be a little bit higher. It might grow a little bit faster. In the winter right now, uh, in veg, things are going to move a little bit slower. It's a little drier, colder. And uh, so things aren't going to be exactly the fastest as they might be in a different time of the year for me. So I usually try and the easy swap pot, it's nice. You can snap it open and look in there and literally see, oh, the sides of the pot have roots developed in it. And if your roots are really healthy, they'll actually start shooting out the sides and you can just see them like, oh, it's made it to the bottom. And uh, maybe like, you know, soaking up through, uh, I keep it now on top of pumice. So it kind of is not like a sip, but if any water runs through, it can soak it back up. But uh, yeah, so I, I definitely think making sure you're transplanting at the right time and allowing the roots to develop in that pot before you transplant. What are what do you guys have for temps down in Cali right now? You, have you guys hit freezing at all, or does it, that does that not happen at all? Or I, I don't think we where I'm at ever free hit freezing. Um, I think our no. coldest day so far has been like 41. Today it was like mid 60s, maybe almost 70. Clear blue sky. I got inside. 71 outside right now. Jeez, are you serious? It's beautiful. We've had like 80 degree days in the last month, like several times. We had a few days that felt like straight up summertime. So um, definitely been having a pretty nice. It's 34 here in Massachusetts and it's gotten way lower. It's been getting a lot lower during the the mornings and last week and the weeks to come. Uh, So we're like in full, we're in full uh, frost mode up here. So I don't know when that's that's colder than Southern California. I don't know if it's actually true here uh, right now, but it felt like we're going from a little bit of a dry period to a wetter sort of period or, or maybe like just a turbulence. I don't know, <laughs> but um, I definitely feel like it's been nicely cooler here in um, here in San Diego, for example, uh, it's, it's pretty nice. And, um, but it has been getting kind of cold frigid at night though. Cause like a little bit less insulation all around, but it's also been getting hazier too. So I think the Marine layer is playing a, a pretty big part here in particular. I think we're splitting hairs though when when people are dealing with like subarctic freezing, you know, I mean, 
Yeah, it, it's been it's been nice. It's been this is the perfect sort of weather to grow in because the uh, the climate stays cool enough that running your lights doesn't doesn't bring it up too hot. There's enough humidity in the air, but not too much that you don't really have to do anything other than just cycle the air through the space. Um, so I, I kind of I, I feel a little bit guilty about the climate, to be honest with you, especially after people talk about the snow and the the, the freezing temperatures you have to deal with. Um, yeah, that's when he said frigid. I, I kind of laughed to myself over here on mute because I'm from Ohio where it actually gets right, yeah. a cold as day we, here. As we speak, chilly. it's 34 and raining. I mean, it'll yeah. be snow. Oh, that's lovely, give, me a couple more, give me a couple more hours. It'll be snow. But right now we got rain. Well, and that's oh, like, if you're really lucky. You could get freezing rain. Yeah. And that's, that's miserable. But then when you get into like the negative 15, but it's like negative 55 wind chill, like stuff that I had in Ohio several times, it's uh, it definitely is rough. And California, our coldest being in like the 40s or 50s, <laughs> it might feel frigid because we're so used to the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Right. But, uh, it definitely is uh, quite ideal here. Well, well that's what I was, asking, was I was asking. I was asking Aaron about that in Oklahoma because I was like, wow, it's, I wonder how cold it's going to be over there. And, and it's like, you know, so it was like 28 here and I Googled it there and it was like 48 or I was like, wow. So that's like, so for me to go from here into other environments, uh, you know, I don't think it's too much of an issue because it gets pretty fucked up here. It ain't always the case, man. When uh, no, Skylar I and I went out there and camped, uh, while we were putting in electrical, we had, you know, we had obviously no power we were camping. Dude, it was 16 degrees the day we left. It was supposed to be 10 degrees that night. We, we had shit to do, but we were, we were just like, dude, we'll, we'll, we'll freeze to death. Like we got to go. So we hit the road and it got down to, you know, below 10 degrees. And, and that's about as cold as it gets in Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we get it. I mean, I've even, I've worked in negative 18 up here in New Hampshire, um, slash Massachusetts. So I just, uh, I'm just saying what I would, the whole point I was going to is just being up here and then going into other environments. It's just, uh, it's not as bad, I guess, per se. We got a question from beast mode three, one, seven, who asked how long for seeds to get done when breeding. And, uh, I'll let Tao answer it first because he's the one who pushed it through to the zoom chat. And then, uh, maybe the rest of the people who've made seeds on the panel can jump in. Well, I like, I'm sure it takes different for different strains and stuff, but I, I like to give them at least four weeks. I like to like, if I know the strain's done in eight, you know, right before four weeks, I'll definitely make sure if not sooner. And then, um, and if it's a seed crop, I pretty much let it go until the plants look dead. So sometimes, you know, that dictates could be a little longer or, or a little less, but I mean, some people wait until they rattle out of the, out of the actual, uh, bracks, but, uh, you know, Kyle and someone else, Kyle probably knows a little more about that than I do really. Yeah, I'll give a stab at it. Uh, so everyone has their own way of doing it. And if it's successful, then I guess stick with what you know. But specifically right. for me, uh, yeah, I mean, I probably go into when like it's, you know, again, every variety is different. So when I see a good majority of uh, nice, healthy white hairs on there, um, the sooner the better. But you can kind of uh, do different uh, approaches to not have to worry about that so much. So what I'll do is even if I'm like late in flower, um, timing does matter, but not if you do, if you know how to kind of manipulate the situation. So, but you're looking for really fresh white hairs, but I, the second I know they're, they're pregnant or, uh, you know, they've, they've, uh, received the pollen. I just go, I just flip the timers back to, uh, 18, six or 24. And I basically let them get so mature that they actually start falling out of the plant. 
And uh, I, I love it because they're just they're maxed out at that point in, in regards to maturity and ripening. Um, and then on top of that, I get clones. So I, I, I basically harvest the clones and then I harvest the seeds out of the plant at the same time. Um, that's just what works for me. So. I think that's a small maneuver. Yeah, I like that. Brandon, uh, what are your thoughts on how long you like to give the seeds to develop after pollinating? Um, usually you'll see the, the calyx swell up and the, you can see that the seed is finished and you can see it, um, you know, when it's ready visually, uh, typically it takes about, you know, about this, almost the same time that it takes to flower. So if you hit them around like week two or three, you're probably gonna have another seven, eight weeks at least. It's been my experience. If you want nice, you know, right, healthy, mature seeds. I was going to say uh, something similar. I, I usually pollinate between weeks two and four, and I'll take stuff to weeks like nine through 12 if it's a seed crop. And like you mentioned, when you look at the bud, uh, when the calyxes or bracts start to open up, you can see the seeds and like, oh, you know, it's white right now. Now it's like brown. Now it's tiger striped. So at least that part of the bud you can tell has been developed, but um, I try to give it basically like kind of Tao said as, as long as I possibly can until the plant almost looks like it's like dying. Um, just pushing it a few weeks past its normal harvest time to allow as many of the seeds as possible to mature as much as possible. But uh, Spartan, I know you've been doing the bliss bud project. I don't know how many uh, generations you've gone through so far, but I know that you've started making seeds. Uh, what are your thoughts on the matter? really only done one generation still. Um, I have a few more seeds I can run through. Uh, I, I've got my, I'm doing like small batch runs and then I have one that I call my keeper right now. It's the number three, but, um, so what I do is I'll run like three or four and then I'll compare them to the three. And if they're better than the three, they'll replace them and just keep doing that. But I've got about probably four or five more seeds to run through to be through all of them. And then I'll be able to, because I only started with probably 15, maybe seeds, 15, 16 seeds, something like that. So then I'm going to select from that. And then I'm going to pop some seeds, the newberry seeds to uh, start breeding into that. Then I'll have more seed stock. But <clears throat> for me, I'm hippie about it, man. So I'm thinking like what happens in nature? So I'll take and collect them, make sure that they're dry. And then I put them in cold storage. I like to put them not freeze, but I like to put them in a really like I have a little mini fridge that I have turned on to as cold as it goes. And um, I like to try to simulate like, okay, because I know cannabis isn't this way, but there are plants for sure that are this way that you actually have to freeze the seeds to get them to ever germinate. It's like part of like, uh, I don't know the actual scientific words for it. It's so a kind of process to make it viable. Yeah, like strawberries, for example, that way. But um, so I like to do that. So I like to put them after they're dry. And when I say when they're dry is I'll put them, um, I just put them in a mason jar <laughs> with themselves and I'll just keep the lid off and then stir it up here and there. And uh, that's probably, I'm still going by feel, but probably three weeks, four weeks. And then they get closed up and put into that refrigerator for months, probably two, three months before I start ever wanting to pop them and that's that's how i do it 
no science. It's all fall, all hippy dippy, but that's that's how I do it. How have you been happy with your germination rate and uh the yeah. I haven't they've all germinated, so and like the maturity of the seeds, like the amount of white seeds and green seeds versus the tiger stripe ones. It's, well, I mean, they're already seeds when I put them into stores to begin with. No, I'm just saying like um, generally like for your first run, would you say um, you let them go as long as you wanted to, or maybe you'll let them go longer next time? Oh, oh yeah. To, to the, the run itself. I think it actually, generally speaking, yeah, there was, I had some immature seeds, but it was like, maybe it was a low percentage, maybe 5%. So I'm fine with that. And I just weeded them out. I didn't keep those. I think that's smart, honestly. And I think no matter how long you push, you're going to have some immature seeds. And even though like 5% might be like white or look immature, sometimes those are perfectly viable seeds. Like yeah. I, I like the quote press test where if you just put it on the table with your thumb yeah. and try and smush it, if it doesn't yeah. easily crush, usually it'll be viable in my experience. You know what I heard someone talking about? They, um, they let the male rip when all the plants, all the females are in pre-flower or just coming into flower and then you know then he takes it out rinses it all off so that there's only a few seeds at the very lowest parts of the nugs or even maybe not on the nugs at all just on the pre-flowers and you get seeds like that that'll definitely be mature by the end i've heard people getting seeds and veg doing that because if they just have a really mature veg yeah, crop, yeah. they can pollinate yeah. their veg yeah, and just thing. get a few seeds here and there if they're not looking for like a huge amount yeah, because there's yeah, there's uh those hairs are are you know the gender spots. There's there's those are viable spots to get a seed from for sure. Well, and it can produce seed in 18.6, which is something that I didn't realize. Rasta Jeff talked about it. Uh, Kyle's mentioned it several times. That's his process that he likes and prefers. So I think there's definitely something to it. Um, how late do you switch to 18.6 in that process, Kyle? Like when you're going, um, basically you've pollinated. Do you immediately flip back to 18.6 from oh, that point? No, I, I kind of make sure I give it like a good, uh, probably like a good week and just to make sure that what I did was correct and that everything's working out because you're kind of waiting for all the pistols to get amber and that's how you know it, it took. But I mean, I've even done, uh, you know, which I thought was really quick and maybe a false statement that somebody said basically within a couple hours after you've pollinated that it's already taken the pollen, which is extremely interesting in regards of like, you know, uh, plant life and how they, they, they do that. But I, so I've done that sprayed the whole thing down with water, put it back in a flower tent that had all sensibilia flower that I was trying to cultivate for whatever, non-seeded. And I didn't have any problems with those other plants having pollen on them because I wet them down. So the wetting kills the pollen immediately. And I did get uh, tons of seeds from that plant that I only waited two hours on and then put it back in the, in the thing, so. Yeah, I've read an hour is long enough somewhere. So yeah. I'm, I don't believe yeah. that too. I've done the same thing. I've. Uh... I wiped the plant that I hit with pollen with water once about an hour after, you know, I hit it. So I think it is pretty damn quick. I would imagine as soon as the uh, pollen hits the uh, stigma or pistol, whatever you want to call it, there it starts the process. It might take an hour, up to an hour, but yeah, it's definitely a very quick process. And a lot of people have talked about that because like um, there's STS spray protocols and other things that um, might promote somebody spraying the plant or just like you're talking about not wanting to contaminate other uh, plants. So spraying it down before you bring it back into the room to deactivate the pollen is usually a good protocol. So um, it's, it definitely shows that plants can create, start to create that seed within that first hour. So we do have another question or two actually now. Um, the first one's from Zach G 
they say at panel thanks to you guys i have been it's not a question it's actually just a comment and a big cheers to you zach g because this is cool they say thanks to you guys i've been smoking on my first harvest for three weeks and it's fire thank you uh we're very happy to help you so uh cheers to that always cool to see people get their first harvest and we're happy to help you have more success in that so we're happy that you listened and uh, we're able to take the information we spread and put it to good use dog doctor official says spartan is there a zoom link buddy um we might be doing that at the one hour mark because kyle and a few others are going to be dropping out i think aaron the grower and i don't want to speak for anybody else because uh, those few puffs have made my short-term memory not as good as i'd like it to be right now but uh, at least two of the people are going to be jumping off the panel so maybe we'll bring one or two of the uh, listeners on and have them show Don't off the cannabis old man yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 more the concussions than the cannabis i think the cannabis actually keeps my shit together more than anything to be quite honest uh, when i wasn't using it my memory was much 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 worse uh, so i will say that um, but then we've got a question from hunter someone was bulldogging um cfc members in the chat about breeding arguing uh, that using light leaks to cause herms and breeding is the same as using colloidal silver. What do you think about this issue? I'll throw my hat in the ring there first. Um, colloidal silver, I think, is a perfectly effective method. It might not be as effective as people would like it to be. It might not be 100%. Um, it can make plants reverse. And I think if you have stress tested a plant and you use colloidal silver or um, STS or whatever Kyle talked about, I think it's called Switch, uh, or not Switch, it was a different product um, hybrid tech and uh, i actually know somebody else who reversed a i think a new england rock candy into a velvet punch so they're like doing a breeding project with yeah yeah i know you, yeah, I talked to him too. so th those are three products that can all reverse a plant and i don't think that's the same as a plant reversing from hermy or, or from a light leak if a plant hermes from a light leak that to me shows that it's a uh, fairly prone to hermy tendencies and so it doesn't even need the, the spray to reverse um, I know Brandon used to breed with um, Hermes from plants that went too long and he found some really fire stuff from it. So I'm not like trying to say that it is not possible to breed good stuff from plants that Hermes either naturally, but some, some might even argue you could get every single plant to Hermes if you just run it long enough and try your best to stress it. Yeah. So I think you're right, Jack. I mean, if you get pollen from a female, it it's not going to be different, like genetically based on whether the plant hermed because of silver or because of some other product or because of light leaks. But the fact that it herms from light leaks is usually a sign that it's pretty susceptible to that, like you were saying. So it may not be sort of ideally suitable and, and it's not very reliable to sort of get plants to herm from just sort of light leaks. Um, so that's, I think, why you would prefer silver, but I don't think there would be a difference from like the same plant if you had two cuts from the same plant or whatever and you got one to herm to, to produce pollen from um silver and one to produce pollen from light leaks i think it would be basically the same pollen most um in my experience most plants if you take them way past their ripeness time and just keep letting them go they'll eventually not like they'll not herm out but they'll throw these little bananas right like inside the bud yeah and what i would do is when i was collecting um or when i was trimming you know, what I would do is I'd be trimming, I'd be looking at all my bud. And then anytime that I found one of those, I would pull it out. And I, what I did is I had a, like a, one of those medicine containers that had the days of the week. 
and I had them labeled for the different varieties. And so I built, I would build up, uh, you know, little containers full of the, uh, from those little tiny bananas. And then that was one of the way I did it. And if I needed to, if I was trying to like force something, like I wanted something to throw pollen, I would just take it super long and then start fucking with it. Like I give it, um, uh, like veg newts really, really late in flower. Um, I would do things like light stress. I know Soma used to like, Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, that's, that's like kind of where I, the method came from was that's how, I mean, I got female seeds, but I wasn't doing it like a large scale for any production or selling. I was just taking things that I really liked and then putting them on other stuff that I liked and then make, you know, making new stuff for myself and for the people that I was, you know, slaying weed to. I'm of the belief that breeders are going to breed. If you like a few plants and you want to see how they work together and you can make an awesome creation from it. Like that's to me, the art and breeding and, uh, I don't think it needs to be like some officially sanctioned. It has to be done just this way or just that way. I personally like regular breeding, but I think that it's awesome that Kyle and you have both done a lot of work with female uh, cannabis breeding to other females, which is something I've never done, but I think that it's a really interesting avenue and offers a lot of insight to the plants that you wouldn't get when you're using a male to female cannabis breeding. So uh, definitely a really interesting topic. And I think that it was one uh, worth discussing. I think um, it's unfortunate if people are like arguing, people do get upset about the Hermie issue for sure. Um, Cause some people are like, you know, absolutely un- unacceptable. I've, I've heard Tao in the past has mentioned if anything Hermes, he throws it out right away and doesn't want to work with it. And um, that's understandable because you don't want to potentially. And I know Kyle has also kind of echoed that sentiment. So um, oh, yeah. I respect that a lot in their testing process, but I, I actually have. How do you guys feel um, about this though, too? You know, because we know that cannabis is a dioecious plant, and um, if you make, you know, if you're making thousands and thousands of seeds, and you're putting out, you know, a shit ton of packs, I mean, I think that just by uh, a numbers probability that there's there's a probably a good chance that some of those are gonna. Uh, are going to harm. Uh, Mr. Stoll claims he doesn't have any problems. I don't know how, well, I don't know what the validity of that, but uh, he, uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? I've run tons of people's genetics. I've done several huge, huge phenol hunts. And I, there was hardly any, like out of the last, out of the last um, group of phenos that i just ran out of all the different people the only the only ones that breeders that i had that didn't herm i think was well none of the stuff i made herm which was awesome um but i think there was only like the lime rising nick risden none of his stuff hermed out all his stuff was completely stable all of the AK bean brain stuff that I ran was stable and I think that there was another one, another one that I ran, but like, uh, it seemed like so many of the different things that I had had issues. Like 
that's one of the reasons like I first cut down all my males and then I had to do another several rounds of just cutting plants down that were herming. And there was all across the board from so many different people. Why were you growing them wrong, Brandon? No, I'm just joking. Listen, <laughs> let me send you a bunch of seed and see if you get this one strain to herm. So far, I the three strains I made with that cheesequake male, the very first ones haven't produced a herm out of anybody. And there's quite a few people now that have popped all of them. So um, I feel like that's the real trick too, is finding that male that works really, really well. That's stable and can help I was, stability I was, across the line. Yeah. I was going to ask if anybody actually knew the truth on whether the male or the female or both can uh, attribute to the hermaphroditic qualities. Cause if I see it on a male or a female, I ditch every single plant pretty much that uh, is associated with that. I guess it has to be both, right? Yeah, I would well, say both. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, obviously, uh, it speaks to the, like, level of, like, plurality. Like, we were just talking about the that somaclonal study, right? And it's kind of related here. It's a sort of similar kind of thing. Like, there's a stress response. So, obviously, there's a genetic component, right? And there's an environmental component. And these sort of you know, they mesh together. And I'm curious if some of that response can be like neutralized through breeding or something, but like, you know, male or female, they can still produce, you know, those two flowers. So or monoecious or dioecious, because like, like Brandon said that they're dioecious, but they're actually more precise to say that there are populations that are both. And doesn't that just make it so much more complicated, but it's the reality. So like Mr. Soul was an example brought up earlier and he's put out thousands of seeds now uh, feminized. Cinderella 99 is kind of his claim to fame and he's putting it out to farms mostly around Colorado, but California and other states and even internationally have been growing a lot of his stuff. And I think if there were people, I'm sure if you Google Mr. Soul C99 Herms, maybe there are people out there that have claims. I haven't found a bunch and I also haven't done a bunch of digging. Um, but I'm curious, to how, how many people would you estimate or how many seeds have you sent out of the Amy Aces? Like, what kind of sample size are you working with? Um, because- I would well, you know, I sent them out. I don't know how many people popped them, but I must have sent out probably 3,000, maybe two or 3,000 of them. And hundreds of them definitely grew because I know a couple of people that did, you know, some big ones. Um, yeah. And I was going to say earlier, I had this, found this old hippie. Uh, kind of comic book magazine from like i think it was 1970 or 69 that had a method for producing feminized seed on page eight i'll put it in the chat and the uh youtube chat as well if people are interested but basically you want to share the like, share the screen and show it oh yeah i can do that yeah let's um, see that. it's basically what brandon was saying and then they kill the light uh down i believe up to a whole bunch of uh let me just get ready to, so i don't bring up while you pull it up before. i wanted to bring up People like Soma from Soma Seeds, I think, coined from the research that I've done the term rotilization. He would walk into the flower room late in flower with a lighter and light it next to his plants and try and get it like really close to him to get him to stress. Um, but he would also push them really late, like past their harvest time and things like that to uh, get feminized seed or female pollen. So this is um, the Supergrass Grower's Guide, a handbook for high power wow. farming. Mary Jane Superweed for a buck fifty. So let's uh power pot farming. Oh, this one's nineteen eighty-three, so this is pretty fresh. I don't know if it was a remake. Yeah, but if I work. go down to page eight here, I believe 
Yeah, producing mostly females. Yeah, it's. A, I guess it's not that. You know, should I read it? Uh, producing mostly females. <laughs> that's what it says. Yeah. Although both male and female plants contain the resins, which get you high, which is right straight away. They don't carry much, but the female tends to be the more competent at producing these substances. For this reason, especially with small scale indoor farming, it is desirable to have as many females and as few males as possible. And it is possible. Under normal conditions, a seed is almost as likely to produce a plant of one sex as the other. During the seedling stage, the balance of male producing enzymes against the female producing enzymes decides what the sex of the plant will be. It is a balance so delicate that even the slight abnormalities of <coughs> abnormal and mad blah, abnormalities yes, of environment can sway the decision. As was pointed out in the section titled Formula Control, overabundances of nitrogen and potassium during early life tends to produce a high production of females. Wow. So, yeah, this is the kind of information that I'm saying. Like, back in the day, there was nothing. People were going off, like, potheads making up. Well, I don't know. Like, their experience, this, I guess. That, that's rich, man. That's, firstly, that's, that's fun. I mean, that's firstly, not how genetics works. No, this <laughs> is not how. It's important to point that out. Thank you, Spartan. This is not how genetics works. This is how, like, some authors that made a pamphlet in the 80s after getting really high <laughs> imagined genetics works and wrote this chapter of their book. No, you're just an elitist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Show your bias. Obviously. I've also heard ethylene, you know, can try and make the more, like, people would put bananas in their germination trays, try and get more females and things like that. There's all sorts of rumors online. So it's good to actually talk about this stuff and dispel it. Because a lot of people have read it, heard it, and believe it. I've been told so many times, you can tell the sex of a seed by looking at the bottom of it. And if it looks like a volcano, it's a female. And if it looks like, you know, whatever. Uh, they say that male. about pregnant women, too. I mean, yeah, there's a bunch of sort of myths and, and rumors about how these things work. But that was just wild. Seeing them like black and white like that, it's just like, oh, oh, wow. Okay. Chad, Chad Westport asks a salient question, not to interrupt, but um, how do sex tests account for herms? Would that, could that ever show up in a test like that? It's not accounted for yet. I've talked yeah, to uh, I don't Farmer Freeman and a few others. They don't I've and seen, cannot. I've seen undetermined sex tests before, and that's what I thought maybe that was when I've seen, but I, it was either that or it was a contaminated sample. It takes longer for some. And hundred percent of the ones I've seen have always been female. So if you get it undetermined from at least farmer Freeman, uh, you'll get like 10 tests back and like seven or eight of them, they got the results on and he's still spinning on the PCR, the other ones, because maybe it didn't come through quick enough or whatever it is. So instead of holding all the results back, it's like, Hey, I've got seven out of your 10 results. I'll give you those seven. And then the next three, you get back in a day or two. And, um, but the, that could be maybe related to if there's potentially Hermie in there. I don't know. They like some genetics that, look like male, but also are present in the female. Um, because I, I do know that's how they, they're looking for a certain block of DNA. It's that like a, a, like a, a 600 plant. plant pheno hunt or something like that. I think I might've even done more. I think I had like 800 some odd plants or something like that. It was when I first got out here to Oklahoma and I used farmer Freeman and I had pulled all of the males prior to flowering so everything that was labeled as a female came back as female on the test results but there were herms in that garden so yeah, so that to me answers the question it's, it'll tell you female but it, i don't think it can tell you hermy i don't yeah. know if that trait's been identified yet or if it's even 
necessarily possible. To, or it, I'm sure there's it is. probably a bunch yeah. of different genetics that could that could trigger that sort of expression. Um, and yeah, I don't think we have anywhere near enough of of an understanding of the cannabis sort of genome to be able to do that. Doing a, a basic sex test is pretty simple. Um, but understanding sort of predispositions to, you know, expressing opposite sex traits, I think is pretty complicated. Um, so yeah, you wouldn't expect those to be in sort of a similar test. We might eventually be able to get there, but it still One seems day. complicated. There could be lots of different things that could cause that. I, I think that Cade Armstrong asked a really interesting question because in the modern day of feminized seed where there are, uh, Mostly, the, at least the first people I've seen doing this were hemp growers doing full fields of feminized crops, just planting a bunch of seeds and expecting there to be all females and hoping that they would just get a sensi crop. Well, about one in like 200 or 300 or a thousand would present as fully male, not Hermes, but they would look like a pure male, which leads me into Kate Armstrong's question, uh, which says, um, would you use a male found in a pack of feminized seeds people might think hmm were they actually fem seeds some seed banks actually mix up the seeds so maybe you got regulars when you ordered fems so if you popped 10 and there was like five males and five females probably not fem seeds but if you pop 10 and there's one male i'll call it because there are male cannabis plants that present with pollen sacs but they're completely xx genetics which is something that i don't quite comprehend fully yet but it's been documented at dozens of farms now um, and they pollinate and create feminized seeds um, so when they say like 99.99 percent or whatever on some of these packs they're talking about those like very limited edge cases and outliers where occasionally it either one herms or two creates this um i don't know what what to really call it but uh a male Kyle, has two X chromosomes. A, have you ever seen a male and you're feminized? Honestly, no. But I think what Jack's saying is like extremely interesting. And I believe that it is, right? I believe that we don't know everything about biology. And I think that that could be a thing. You know, like there's intersex humans. So that have multiple body parts and stuff. So why couldn't that be happening in the plant world? So, but I mean, again, well, I, I, don't know, I don't know what it is. I don't know what, anything about it, but it sounds like a possibility. Sort of like a pheno, there's like a like grades to a phenotype sometimes, you know, and uh, and you know the other thing is that like that kind of gets to a really good point. Like maybe in some cases, or or, or is this a case? Is this what you're saying? Maybe I'm interpreting it wrong. But are you also saying that like visually, you might not be able to tell at a genomic level? You know, something might just be might be male or it might be um, a female that's herming quite a bit. Or, or I guess that's not true because you'd still get the female flower phenotype usually. These well, people wonder... were, were to just to be clear, they are sophisticated enough to understand the difference between a Hermie, even a very heavy Hermie. And some of these plants just presented as purely male, like 100%. But then when they get the sex test results, it says it's a female. It came from a I feminized see, I pack. See, yeah. I can oh, yeah, understand yeah. that genetically. I think it would be very rare, but there's mechanisms for that to happen. I wish I could do that'd be the coolest thing to have in your arsenal to figure out if you could you don't have to do any more spraying you just have a female that just blasts the pollen everywhere making all that would be the coolest thing in the world it could be a like a a hormonal mutation 
or like yeah. a signaling mutation. Right. right. It could be something else that's triggering the, the levels of hormones in the plant. Pathway. So would the pollen from that male be all fem then? The prodigy from that? Yes. That's my understanding, yes. Yeah. But it may also pass on that trait of presenting as a male. Right. It might make a bunch of those. It, that would be interesting to see. Like, what if. Right. And at some point, they're not going to be good. At some point, you're, you might want to have one, but I don't think you'd want to have a whole tent full of them. I agree with that. Whoever's got so, access to that plant, let me know. <laughs> I've seen males too that were like, oh, this is a male plant. And you start flaring it out and you start seeing female characteristics on a male plant. And those are always really bad to use for breeding too. Yeah, if you want a surefire way to implode any type of company you're trying to build with seeds, uh, it would be having a plant that has intersex issues. I so usually I usually like to choose males that don't show uh, their sex like pre-flower and or, or like are usually last to show. They seem to be the most stable. I love the cat at the end. <laughs> That's gonna go. The cat agreed with him. All right. That's a lot. Gotta love a talkative cat. That's a uh, cool stuff. But um, there's a lot of thoughts on the whole which male to select. Like some people, um, most people say don't ever select the first to show. Um, I think that's because people, the theory that I've heard thrown around is it's most similar to hemp because it like grows up quick and vigorous and the ones that flower first tend to be the lowest THC. So maybe if you're breeding for CBD or hemp, maybe you actually would want to pick some of the earlier flowering stuff. But um, I think Subcool said he liked the second last to flower or something like he wants. Uh, and I think it was to make sure it wouldn't take too long to flower, but also isn't like a super early flowering. There's a lot of different thoughts and theories on why. And um, we do have another question though, I guess from seed person one, Oregon CBD seeds reports something like one in 1000 of their seeds appear to be fully male, but have 100% female chromosome. So yeah, that is definitely one of the groups that I was referring to. Um, they've done amazing work with CBD and CBG. Um, I would say some of the top scientists like in, that are working in cannabis are working at Oregon CBD. They have people that are very, very, very highly established and qualified in, in their fields, and they use the highest levels of technology and testing available. So I do tend to believe what information is coming out of that group. Um, it seems very reliable, their, their data so far. So I wouldn't have any reason to question that comment there from seed person one. Also in chat, Blake uh, added that they literally just had this happen where they had a six pack of fem seeds and one of them popped. They came out straight male randomly and they ended up randomly speaking to someone else who grew the same strain and they had the same experience. They had a strain that they had one male that did the same thing. That's fucking interesting. There is some really interesting stuff with cannabis genetics, like um, kind of changing topics a little bit, but there's a strain called shit from uh, Shanti Baba, uh, Mr. Nicey company. Uh, I think he was kind of like screw over uh, Skunk Man Sam and other people that were working with Skunk One. So he called it shit because he wanted people to think it was shit. And he put the seeds out really cheaply. So a bunch of people in like Mr. Nice Forum grew those seeds. And they're like, I grew a 10 pack and got like three twins and like 10 people all had the same experience and like photo documented that. And I'm like, that's just so cool to like see from one source, all these people getting that same pretty rare 
thing that like I've never had that happen. I've popped hundreds of seeds at this point. And um, it's just cool to see some of the rare things that happen in cannabis. And um, sometimes they happen to show up in one genetic more than others. So it's very uh, interesting to bring a, to the point, I guess. Yeah, I've only had to happen once. I got a picture somewhere in my profile feed if you go way, way back where I got uh, two tails and they both grew. It was interesting. My buddy. Yeah, sorry. Oh, uh, my buddy got one from the Velvet Punch actually. And um, he made a joke. I think there's a movie with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito where they're like twin brothers. And like one is like, you know, really buff. And then the other one's like tiny. And that's kind of how his were growing. And uh, there's a dude named the Fox Farmer that I saw successfully separate to like, I think that was called Black Roses was the name of the strain. And they separated them. I do not have that like surgical hand. Like I would definitely oh. murder them. Uh, but he separated them, put them in two pots, and they grew to flower. I had twins, and I babied the one that was the uh, Danny DeVito, and I grew them out in the same container. But I ended up, they ca- he caught up pretty much. I was blocking the I was blocking the light with something on the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger one, and trying to get the Danny DeVito to catch up. But uh, yeah, it's documented on my IG. That's and, yeah, funny. It's pretty yeah. cool. Wild checking out two seeds coming out of one shell. So. Yeah, it was pretty were they in the same pot, or did you separate yours? No, I kept them together. They were t- pretty twisted right at the beginning. If you, I, there's, there's pictures of it right at the beginning of uh, the 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 seed the um, root hairs going into the, it. They were in uh, those pea pucks, whatever uh, jiffy pellet things yeah. that swell up with the netting around them. So yeah, they both both dove in at the same time. So I didn't want to try and do that surgical removal. I got to say this, if if you're growing for production and you need like a lot of cannabis from that plant, then you should, yeah, then you should kill one of them. And it's sad to sort of have to kill your little baby plant. But if you have the room to grow it out and just have fun with it, I mean, I'm all about sort of growing plants to have fun. We always do like side challenges with things. We should try to do a twins challenge. Although that would be, that would be really hard to uh, sort of do on command. You know, place to look would be those shit seeds, I guess. Sorry, go ahead, Matthew. With all this conversation about, um, uh, like how sort of even like some of these chemistries, like the silver thiosulfate and um, other sorts of uh, uh, like ethylene, can have an effect on, you know, you know, other plant hormones have major effects on plant physiology. You know, I recently shared a post on my Instagram account at Sync Angel, where. Uh, we're talking about all the various compounds from saliva from various insects that, uh, you know, and I've talked about it before, they suppress the immune system. They can even like melt through plant tissues. They can, um, you know, give the organism a, a, a great virulence to it. And uh, one of the things that they actually mentioned down here, they gave some examples. This paper was um, called uh, Stomata Mediated Interactions Between Plants, Herbivores, and the Environment. I could share it, screen share it if you'd like. Yeah, I've got the screen sharing enabled. I just want to share a comment that actually made me laugh off. Uh, oh, yeah. Like seed person one says, drop two seeds in the same hole. And it's like, <laughs> that's great for the twins challenge. I mean, if you really want to make it two of the same strain, drop them in the same cup. It's basically like twins. Like, there you go. It's, it's got me thinking, actually. Okay, I'm shared. I can see it now. I'm sure the chat yeah. will be able to see it in a few seconds. Yeah. So, um, so this paper here, I don't want to go a lot, go on too much, but it was really interesting because they, they're just going over, um, 
is specifically the stomata, so like the opening and closings that um, that these compounds like have, or even a uh, um, various microbiota. So like here they have um, in this table one uh, effective herbivory on plant somatophotosynthesis, and they've got uh, you know chewing and piercing mouthpart organisms and the family and the species and uh, what these do. So they decrease or increase or have no effect. But down here, this was a pretty cool diagram. You gotta, you gotta love some of these diagrams that these people do. Yes, there's a lot of things going on here. It's a little bit complicated, but uh, I do like how they've, <laughs> they've sort of had this little picture here. They've taken a, um, uh, a method from like murals or whatever, but it's showing how all these various compounds interact. And some of these organisms here, like the caterpillar, uh, you know, abscessic acid, jasmine acid, um, or jasmonic acid, salicylic acid, right? That these compounds are plant hormones, are literally plant hormones, and they produce them in their saliva and they uh, excrete it into the tissue when they're feeding. You know, so like, like I don't know, like it's very hard. Like if you're messing with the, you know, the brass tacks of the immune system and how it communicates with itself, like of course that's going to make for a really chaotic environment. That's going to um, you know, not really benefit the plant all that much. Um, I'm not trying to make a greater point that like plant, the insect stress, like necessarily causes herms or anything like that. I, I have a question, really Matthew. Interesting. Oh. Yes. On that point, is it possible when they were, you know, scientists conducted these experiments, so they had to go find caterpillars that had been eating plants, right? It's not like they can just find a caterpillar that's never eaten anything, right? So if they're looking at its saliva, it's going to have like microbes and things from plants in their saliva because that's what it's been eating to survive, right? Yeah, you'd want to control for, so like to make this, to make this argument, you'd have to find the genes that create the proteins, you know. I'm sure they probably prove the it more. I think uh, they yeah, produce the caterpillars like, in-house. I think they produce, in this kind of yeah, situation, just brood it, uh, to control well, they, it. Well, but they still have to feed, well, but it's a good point because, you can feed them on an artificial diet sometimes. That is true. That is true. Um, but they probably weren't. But at you least you know, at least you know and can control for what, what you've fed them that way. That's all. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. But like pretty much all plants are going to have these compounds at some, in some, some level, even if you're rearing them on like um, Arabidopsis or, or, or whatever. But like, yeah, like a lot of these compounds are even found in plants, you know? Um, right. Like, uh, but down here, this down here, this part of the table I found, or no, this was the second page. Uh, yeah. So like, you know, peroxidases, which are often, you know, in, uh, in plants as uh, defense compounds, well, they produce them too. And they can also use their low gut pH or high gut pH, depending on where you are to like neutralize compounds. But there's down here, right? Here's the jasmonic acid, salicylic acids. So this was in cytokinin cytokinin there look at that um and then also even pseudomonas uh, species so even sometimes the microbes in their mouths essentially right have a direct effect on the plant um and then here's the references for what those effects are and uh i don't know i just think that's really it's really interesting and i guess the some of the fallout effects of this is that of course it disrupts photosynthesis which is going to really disrupt its ability to produce certain compounds and especially like locally right where it's where it's eating currently and um 
and have all kinds of play all kinds of haywire with the immune system. That's all I wanted to say. I just thought that was an interesting segue. I'm always amazed by how adept insects are at being able to destroy plants, healthy or otherwise. You know, they've got all these little tools to try and fuck that plant up to make it edible or you know consumable for itself to continue to thrive and survive. Well, it's even it's like a seesaw between the plant and the pest. It's like as soon as one adapts, the other one adapts back, and it's it's so interesting to see the back and forth like that. Yeah, right. And there's so many different kinds. It's it's honestly amazing to me that uh, plants are able to survive. Like, you know, like if you were told to like make a really robustly survivable thing, you know, and the, the but the sticking point is well, can't move anywhere. It's just got to take it. You know, how does that replication work? Um, it's just massively amazing. I mean, of course, you've had a lot of die off, right? And if we're being truth of, truthful about it, like a lot of extinctions have happened. So we're, we're viewing life through a, a big filter. But, um, but at the same time, I, the grand scheme of things, the die off still served oh, yeah. the plant kingdom. It still served the plant kingdom and building good soil. And then the next plant can take over and there you go. Right. Actually, I'm curious what you guys think about this concept of not bogarting the conversation too much. And I want to, the... before we do continue okay. on, I want to give the two people who mentioned they yes. have to go at the hour a chance to get their final thought and shout out in, because uh, we are coming up to that one hour uh, point. And I know Aaron was one of those people. Uh, I think Noah's got his hand up. So maybe I'll pass it to Noah because he's been very quiet over there the entire time. So Noah, uh, what's up? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm going to get out of here too. I uh, just wanted to... Uh say i've had a lot of fun listening uh i don't have a whole lot of experience breeding seeds so i've been just kind of paying attention to stuff but uh yeah if, if anybody wants to find what i got it going on i'm noah the grow on instagram or two e's you can recognize me as the guy with the button in front of my face and i'll see everybody next week thanks for coming noah always good to have you even when uh, you don't get a chance to jump in too much we always appreciate you showing up thank you so much and uh next up we got aaron the grower Fucking hey, right, man. Noah, you and me, right? The growers over here. Just this is the first time I've sit here just kind of jaw slacked with literally nothing. A lot of times I'll have something to say and then I just don't say it. But this time I had nothing to say. So this was a lot to learn. So this is really cool. Um, love you guys. Love uh, love when I can spend some time with you guys. And um, I am Aaron the Grower, ATG Acres. Look out for my big, big fucking. This is like big for me, not big for like Jungle Boys, but like. This is like my lifetime culmination of work coming into one facility and that's happening. I'm moving on Tuesday. I'll be there the end of the week and, and then it's popping. So look forward to that and sharing that with you guys and with uh, all my followers. And uh, yeah, thank, thank you guys for, for having me. ATGacres.com, ATGacres on Instagram. Thank you so much for trying to Peace out both you guys. Thank you. I'm excited to see that, man. Good night. Yeah, before we touch the, the twin talk, I just want to say that, uh, yeah, Mr. Toad talks about, it was talking about how vitamin C can, if you somehow, I didn't get onto reading it, but vitamin C could uh, affect the outcome of that somehow. So I put the link in the chats. If you guys are interested in checking that out, I want to check it out later, but uh, I figured I'd throw that out there. It's really interesting. Uh, and then we also have Kyle who has to go at the hour. So I want to pass it over to uh, Kyle of Pea Breeding. Yeah. Uh, for anyone that's been, uh, been listening, if you are into feminized seeds, I do have a website, uh, purebreeding.com, peabreeding.com. Um, those, those will get you there. 
Uh, I sell three and five packs, which allows everybody to kind of get, get their hands on something. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, pure underscore breeding on Instagram and, uh, Look out for a new autoflower seed drop uh, collaboration between me and uh, Noam Automatics, Dan from Full Duplex, uh, that's being launched in the next few weeks. Uh, I think we decided to call the variety Ace of Spades. I'm not too sure if we've uh, nailed that in the coffin yet, but uh, it's, it's, anybody that's interested in that, uh, be on the lookout. But other than that, uh, appreciate all you guys. I'm happy to still, that we're still doing, <coughs> sorry, still doing this. And I hope everybody a well week, and I'll see you guys next weekend. Thank you for joining so, us, Kyle. Uh, have a good one. Have a good one, Kyle. Yeah, hey, I should probably get going too. I have a lot of stuff that I got to catch up on. I've been back and forth, and I had a Cowboy Cup this weekend, and I had a booth there, and I still got a bunch of stuff I got to take care of for tomorrow. So, all righty. Well, uh, you got to let the people know where they can find you, and uh, we'll see you next week, hopefully. Brandon Rust, you can find me at. Rust Brandon on IG, Bokashi Earthworks on IG, and www.bokashieearthworks.com. Thank you so much, Brandon. Have a great week. Guys, I'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one, Brandon. So we've got, we have a guest coming in, uh, Dog Doctor from Instagram. Um, we've been chatting back and forth. They're a long-time <laughs> listener. So Dog Doctor has got the dog mask on. We could see you. Hi guys. I don't know if you could hear us. Cheers to you, Dog Doctor. Welcome. So Hi, thank doctor. you guys. He's from hey, buddy. Dog Doctor's from Europe too. So he's what's up, Doc? Long ways. Oh yeah, love the new haircut, buddy. Thank you, thank you, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love the mess. Thank you. This way, it's much easier than tape and put this and that and. Yeah, for I, sure. I can actually talk. Sorry, that I was just finishing rolling this. Can you smoke with that thing on? I tried in the other day. Not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's great. Trying to lick it through the mask. It's got a, some talent right there. <laughs> this is the first I'm trying, but she's going to come out. How is, uh, yeah. How's your girl going over there? What, what are you growing? I have kind of a lot going on right now. One second. I show you. I was fully defoliating now. Okay, let's to go here and here so let's go like this so on this side Looks remember good. spartan they wake up for life death heater made all that difference it was so cold when you saw them remember yeah yep and this here they are so on this side i have gelatos gelato cross it's a gelato of cross with oj a lot of 44, okay. I think. They are doing quite okay. i give you the exact dates in a minute. This is Badass Cookies OJ. I like it. I bet you people over there go crazy over gelato, huh? I don't like it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't even plan this, you know. This is the second run. I didn't even get the trouble to plan it to get it for the next run. I have this to smoke and make my extractions. But I'm not going for it again. I, I don't know. Where'd you uh, get your uh, genetics from for the gelato? This one is from Seedman's. Seedman's? Seedman's? Something like this. Seedman, yeah. Yeah. Um, they came as a, a bundle free things when I bought a bunch of, of seeds. And it was this gelato, gelato, gelato. So I, I popped them and uh, they grow amazing. They check all the boxes, but uh, just not my type of roots. 
they get me high but it's not high they don't get me sleepy they don't uh, take i don't know yeah i know what you're talking uh, about uh, <laughs> it's, hey, it's just not right for you man nothing wrong with that there's oh, plenty yeah. of other strains out there to try for sure dude exactly like this i've been keeping like for 10 runs now uh finally gonna i have a friend with uh, with it so less run for me now and I find a sunset sherbet that I'm loving it. And these are the new stuff that I'm going to try and see if I like any of it. So in here, this one, it's the Gorilla Cross with the Blueberry. So Gorilla Blue. There we have Dossi Doss. And in here, Dossi Doss over there. And this is a nice. Chocolate Skunk. Ooh, this was a this is the one I keep. Remember the third one that didn't pop a few yep. months ago? Uh-huh. There she is. She was she the good. Have some chocolate. Yeah, Flavor. she tastes like um, not chocolate. She tastes like lemon mixed with uh, sweet candy, yeah. and like a mint behind it has this minty flavor. And this one checks the boxes. She's not a big healer, but she's an amazing tricoms producer. You cannot see like really anything right now, but they are on day twenty-two, day twenty-one actually, day twenty-one. They're looking happy and healthy. Thank you. Uh, What do you feed them? What's going on down there? It looks like maybe I'm not going to guess. I'll just let you tell us. So I'm feeding Aptus, Aptus nutrients. So it's all organic or mineral, organic, supposedly. Uh, I've been doing the liquid form things for the new run. I'm doing uh, pallets and I'm gonna, I'm just giving them micro and micronutrients as I see it. Uh, I can show you actually. You got the monosilicas, you got P, you got Calmag, you got uh, enzymes. And this is pretty much what I use. And now I got this. And I'm mixing this with the soil instead of giving the the liquid form. I figured it out. We are mostly paying water in the liquid form. So why not just feed them, give them to the soil and let them um, choose what they want. Yeah, so that's, dry, that's just a dry nutrient that you have there? Pardon me? That's a dry nutrient? You just use that instead of the liquids? Exactly. It's exactly the same form as this. Oh, nice. But it comes in, in pallets. So I, I put like uh, 7,500 grams for a plant for the, the whole circle, according to them. And if I need, I can always stop dress a little bit more longer in the, in the thing. That's cool. And that's organic too? It's all organic or mineral. Everything from them is the it, it's a organic line. So that that's another that's the question I want to ask you guys. I'm thinking about uh, reusing all of this. Yeah, Since for that, sure. Is it cocoa? No, it's soil. I like a peat. I put a little bit of cocoa, but not much. Just just a, a little bit. I would just top dress that same all in one and be good to go. Or reuse it. I would continue to do it. Yeah. Might as well yeah, try. That's just what I think. I bought this, uh, what is it? Also from them, which basically it's a conditioner and micro micro enzyme. So, yeah, for sure. Both of those would be a good addition too. 
so I'm having especially this after a harvest. Yeah. So and, and I'm thinking of mixing it with the soil, giving like a week or something, not even that, maybe, maybe a little bit more. You don't even have dry. to mix it. You could keep it in the same exact pots. Cut, you know, you have the plant will be removed. You could just top dress that, water it in, and just leave it in those pots like right. that. Just cut it over there somewhere. Yes. Yep. Take the big heart of it and just to go after that. Yeah. That, that yeah, for, like a, so. for like two weeks at least, just let it, you know, make sure the soil stays moist. You probably only have to water it once, maybe twice, unless you're in a really, really dry environment. And uh, that micro, I mean, that those microbes will work on that soil to start breaking down some of the uh, root system and, and everything else. And then I would uh, also, uh, after the first week, maybe top dress some of that all in one that you just were showing off. Yeah, yeah. And I would plan in that sucker after that and see how you go. I'm gonna go for that actually. I was thinking it's like so it's it's I'm not wasting it because I throw it in my garden outside, so I reuse it always, but still, but uh I don't yeah, see but the it's point just of, way uh, easier if you don't even have to refill pots, you, you can continue to exactly use pots. I can might as well uh, try. Exactly. I can I was thinking about getting bigger ones. And make make uh, like two beds. Oh yeah. Once. And, and uh, put two, yeah. That, that was the idea, and, and in each one I can put two plants on one side and two on the other, and this yeah. way I, I, it, it's probably easier to. I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. I still have time. Bigger roots, bigger fruits. In my experience, if you can pull it oh, off yeah. and, and let them, like we were talking about earlier, you got to transplant up to it and let them fill in that space. But if if you can, I think it's best to get as much medium in your grow space as possible, uh, filled with roots and cannabis plants. Obviously, I want to give uh, Crack Babies DWC, a uh, Cocoa for Cannabis member and uh, actually former guest on the show, a chance to jump in there, showing off their garden as well. And uh, okay. Dog Doctor, I think is you could tell us a little bit more about the. Uh, I think you got a, a veg going on, but I, I did want to give uh, Crack Babies DWC a chance to jump in there as well. Go for it, please. I can come jump in on the next Saturday or something. Yeah, no, no, it's all good. And I'm sure we'll have more time. We've still got a, an hour left. So I just want to say cheers, Crack Babies, and uh, welcome. Oh, okay. Hey, guys. Okay. These ones, it's, um, are going for, oh, go, 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 go. Sorry. How's it going, man? Nice to see you guys. Figured Good I'd go live back. with the camera there. Show you guys How's it going, Crack Babies? Yes, DWC going. Jack. Going? Going? D-A-O, Spartan. Nice to see you guys, man. Nice to see you, too. DWC, like the name implies. Good yes, sir, you. man. We've got some buckets. I like that so pure breeding. Uh, Kyle's uh, Hindu Kush, or Hindu root beer going. Oh, nice, the root beer. We've got a little Master Kush going. And, uh, that was OCG's uh, Watermelon Gelato x Mac B2 cross there that he sent a uh, few people. Still got a clone going in that one, so. I just topped it there. Still pretty good. Then I got a few autos, gelato glue and uh, gelato. <laughs> Damn, everyone's growing with gelato. Freaking Sherb did something yeah. right, I guess. I never tried it, so I said, what the hell? I'll get on the, I'll get on the train. <laughs> Where'd you get yours from? Uh, QCS, Quebec, uh, Quebec Cannabis Seeds. So yeah. I, I want to throw out there just for anybody, because I, I do uh, look into the, the history uh, the breeder Sherbinsky's, I think, has recently started putting out his own seeds, and he was doing uh, collaborations with Humboldt Seeds, not directly Gelato itself, but uh, crosses with it. But um, it's definitely cool to see other people's, uh, you know, variations and 
selections of it. And I always love to hear about people's experiences. Like um, we heard from dog doctor that they don't like the seeds, man variation. So <laughs> well, I'd love to hear when you're finished up with it, that's a lot of what you think I, about it. I don't yeah, like it. I've only had QCS myself for autos. I have you know, bag seed QCS and now I'm just trying Kyle's stuff. I had uh, TAO as Amy Ace is there, but I got two males. It's bad luck. They were, they were males, though. There was no harm parts. So it's just bad luck. You know. But now I got more and more oh, sorry. <laughs> left. So that's the way I see it. I got better luck now. We'll see. Amy's worth regrowing again to look for a female and some of those regular seeds, but I'm definitely curious sure. how those uh, gelatos work out for you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Looking good. How uh, far are they in their process right now? Uh, that's a good question there. Uh, I was thinking like right around New Year's that they should be ready. One's a week quicker than the other, apparently, according to, to QCS. It's you can see that they are they were started the same day. Looks like they got more time left than than just another few weeks. So. Yeah, no, exactly. I think maybe they were saying that especially eight, that one weeks, but you yeah, know, they like eight she's, nine she's weeks after ways. they started showing. So, oh, so this one yeah. Got yeah. I, I think you're gonna have these plants in in February. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Usually the case, it's always a little longer than you expect but that's okay i'm ready for it i got the room oh, good yeah yeah i got i got the headspace <laughs> what kind of ec do you run it. pardon what uh ec do you run uh well i'm using mega crop ab there the, the dry mix so i'm running it pretty high 1900 in flour and, and that's the bag mix okay. there. Like if you mix it by the bag and veg, it's 15 and it climbs up to 19 there when they do the full flower mix. I'm at 950 ppm. Yeah, that's pretty high. You can get away with that in DWC. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I'm starting to see little tips there, but that's more the yeah. pH. A little tip twist there. You can always cut it down. I mean, dilute the water down to a, a tolerable EC level, but plants are good yeah, exactly i'm running a little high and the light's a little high but my, now, now i know my see or my co2 is it's almost 700 yeah so that helps that helps now i know i can push it a little bit there i'm at 30. i measured the leaf temp there i saw because uh, i i watched a bit of uh talking shit with eagle there and i saw a, a few good info you know pieces there that i made me rethink the whole measuring the leaf thing so that really is what matters, not not the environment around it, but the leaf itself. I realized it was much cooler than I thought. Yeah, laser temp yeah. guns worth whatever uh, it costs to get you on because they're yeah. pretty accurate and it'll tell you what the leaf temp is actually versus the. I've had it for a long for a long time. I just never really used it. I, I never thought it was that important, but it, it kind of is. I'd say more now so with the, the plant stands. With LEDs, it's definitely a big thing because um, if you don't get them in that right range, they don't tend to grow as well. And, and in my opinion, I think it wants to be a little bit warmer. Um, it can if the plants get cold, the they don't really tend to grow too well under high intensity LEDs. In my experience, um, they tend to want it to be in that mid to high seventies and even low eighties, um, which yeah. I think in Celsius, Celsius is like twenty five ish to twenty seven ish. Let me show you why I use this stuff in my temperatures there if i show you with the ec meter probably 74 75 f 
these roots would be brown, full of rot. They're Pythium up the wazoo, but look at it. It's white as a ghost. There's Fucking beautiful. No man. Here. Super healthy. So yeah. what is that product? Tell us more about this. What is this product that you have? It's beneficial bacteria. It was at, it was actually recommended Ponzyme, which is a U.S. product. Ponzyme, And yeah. it's not cannabis-based, but it's made for ponds. Like it's, so is it a bacillus? Yeah, it's an eight-strain mix. They don't tell you which oh, one it strain. is. It's, okay. Yeah, it's, it's pr proprietary strains, they call them. But it's probably that bacillus and a few other ones. It must be. I mean, that's that seems like a nice product i mean to make that's it's pretty expensive to get a water chiller so that's a nice solution thanks it's, for sharing that. what are your water hell. temperatures he said it was it's in the 70s oh you're in the 70s yeah so because so, i know dwc there they were like you know you got to get chillers and you got to change the you know the water all the time because you're going to get pythium and, and i did you know i got yeah a dip with the uh, h2o2 kill it off uh, you still got to deal with the dissolved oxygen issues so Maybe you're just yeah. aerating the water really well in the buckets. Um, but that's the well, other thing both. that happens. I mean, that's it's all related. That's why bacteria grows better at warmer temperatures too, because there's less dissolved oxygen in the water. Exactly. That's why I'm pumping like four times the recommended air. Right? I yeah. tried, like I had 1,700 gallons per hour on one tote. That oh. monster there, the big auto there, that was there was 12 stones in that tote. Yeah, that, that was a 107 liter tote, but still. That might be why your water temperature is warm. I had way too much air. I still, air there. I got, you know, if I would have not had those bendings, I would have. That's nice. That's really good. Yep. Yeah, no, Spartan just just said something that's really important. If you're pumping air through your water, your water is going to very quickly be whatever temperature the air that you're pumping through it is. Exactly. And my pump was right beside it. The, the, the manifold, you couldn't even touch it with your hands. It was boiling hot. So it's like, oh, my God, I'm pumping all that heat in the water. Yeah. You could feel it when I checked the pH in the morning. There, I got felt the blast of heat coming off the water. It's like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> no. So it's like. So that this saves the day really there for the, all that stupid stuff that I do for the heat there. So, so I can move the pumps. I can get the hoses longer, you know, get, get the heat out of the air before it hits the water. So is that like Canadian pumps sitting there right by the buckets? Yeah. Right beside it there. Yeah. So the other thing you can do would be to move the air pumps out of the grow space because the air outside the grow tent is probably cooler than the air that's inside the grow tent. To put them at the actual output of the air here. It's my yeah, outside. I like your poster. Oh, yeah. I love that poster, Doug. <laughs> Yeah, little if you pride, can put the air pumps thing. outside. I mean, if it is cooler outside the, the grow space, but I'm imagining that it probably is. That'll oh, just yeah, be drawing Canada, slightly cooler it's, air. It's minus eight out there. You know what I mean? So, well, not outside, cooler. outside, like, you know, in the great yeah, yeah. Arctic no, North. That's, that that, that's my AC. That's my Canadian air. That's my free AC there. I just, it's a matter <laughs> of how, how big the crack in the window is, right? So it's, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, so that's the advantage of the cold weather, man. You know, you guys are good down there in the south. There, but the AC's up there. Wazoo with the AC brace. So these little the guys. Cold are, is awesome because you get the free AC and it's, it's dry. Yeah. If I see any brown, I add a little more bandies there, but they, they pretty much survive. You don't need much at all. I've had that bucket there for over a year. I bought it in May 2020, and it's still. Can you show the name or say the name one time so people in Canada can uh, check it out? 
That's an Aquascape Inc. Put on this. May 2020. I ran 13 grows. Well, 12. Aquascape Inc. Artificial bacteria dry. Smart has a four ounce. I got the eight ounce. Treats 52,000 gallons, 40 bucks Canadian to my door, Amazon. Like, what the hell? That looks like it's God, worth everything. other stuff is super expensive compared to this. It does a better job, I think. Like SM90 and all that other microbial stuff. Pretty it's much. It's good to find non cannabis uh, branded stuff. Like we were talking about Ponzyme. I've recommended that to people in the US for cloners. Yeah. Or DWC and it's extremely effective. And that's uh, what I was looking for. I couldn't get it in fair Canada. Price. Health Canada yeah, Canada's there. weird with microbes. Anything microbial, oh. they don't want coming in. Like um, recharge Doctor has a really hard time. Doctor Zymes, uh, the Ponzyme, anything with a zyme in it, there they don't like it. Enzymes and microbes, they're just uh, yeah. Canada's like nah, not coming this way. <laughs> they don't want us to get the little helpers. Matthew, uh, could you maybe shed light on why Canada is so um, strict on their uh, import of enzymes and uh, other microbial products? Or what would you think if you had to guess? It's, it's under review, right? So maybe it's just the, the red tape of getting it done. I don't know. I mean, like even even the United States of America itself, it can be a little bit, um, you know, protective and, and stringent. Um it, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. I'm not sure how to really compare the two really. Uh, perhaps Canada has a, uh, just a kind of a different definition of, a, of what's acceptable and perhaps it's, and perhaps even some of the ecosystems are more, I'm just spitballing here for sure. Um, maybe they have just have a different opinion about how fragile they are and perhaps for, for that reason, but like there's, there's things that we can't import like biocontrol, even insects for that matter, but also, um uh certain microbes and perhaps it's not even that they're not importable but rather they have to go through like a really stringent process of vetting um i know the usa is is pretty stringent california in particular is very stringent about what you're allowed to use and not allowed to use or at least say works rather you know if it's on the label you know it should mean that you have actually presented data that shows efficacy which is novel concept i guess but um you know that's how it is and so like i know that a lot of pesticide companies and maybe groups that are sort of similar to this like you know they'll have like a department for all the other states and they'll have a department for california in particular <laughs> i've heard that as a common thing it's very difficult to get here oregon i think is also a difficult one um but the states here within the united states are all varying difficulties of things and we definitely have a lot of freedom that i don't know if uh canada necessarily has because it seems like they have a lot of the red tape and restrictions on a lot of the products um like i know even with outside of cannabis like there's a lot of like banking apps and things like that that are only in the u.s and um there's just a lot of uh markets i guess here that get service and um products that are even made for and that are just sent directly here and only here so uh, there's definitely a large consumer market and I'm just happy that people like crack babies are able to find good products um, that work for them and are able to, you know, replace stuff that's not available. So cheers to you crack babies for being resourceful in that. 
And Dog Doctor, I wanted to ask, uh, what did you roll up over there? I saw that you were finally getting to talk a little bit and uh, you got the mask on. So we can uh, see <laughs> a little FaceTime action, kind of. Uh, I was smoking on it. What I have here, this was Zemnezio. Um, they were kind enough to send me some test suits. They sent me some runs. They are on week three. I'm actually thinking on, uh, I can put this like this. Topping them, I think uh, it's probably a good idea now. I have never run it before. I'm uh, checking everything with them, doing it. all the boxes, taking time lapses and everything. Pretty curious about this genetic, actually. They're growing amazing for three weeks. They are pretty happy. I don't know how this will, this is also something Viber Spectre was kind enough to send me to test. They wanted me to put in a 4x4, but I don't believe this works in a 4x4, so I put it in a 3x3. Three three. They are happy with them. Actually. They're growing super robust and uh, stocky. They're definitely not yeah. wanting more light. They've, they've got adequate amount. Like when you went underneath the plant, you could see the undercarriage. They're extremely well-developed as far as the side nodes and, and branching is concerned. Yeah, so. I have them at uh, 400 ppm, something like this, around that. Probably now they're probably a little bit higher because they were around the 400 here. And when I changed the pots yesterday, I didn't uh, touch the lights, so they probably, but they're happy. So I'm going to keep them like this. These ones, they are full on pallets. I'm just feeding them uh, stock booster and uh, microbial uh, things. It's crazy. I give him like 200 ppm waters. I never did this in my life. <laughs> but they happy, so I'm going to keep uh, doing what I'm doing. Would you guys top it now, or would you wait a little bit longer to top it? I think that looks ready to top. How many what nodes are you at? It looks like you're pushing seven One. or eight. One, two, three, four, five. It's going to six now. It's just going to six now? Yeah. One, it's still good to two, top. Where are you going to top it down to? I was going to top it here. Down to the, the third? Rest. Yeah, down to yep. the third. Oh, let's do it right now, live on the air. You got your scissors? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got don't my feel pressure. Uh, don't fuck yeah, it up. Yeah, don't feel pressure. Don't feel pressure. I don't want to make you decapitate your plan. At worst, I promise you this. It will keep growing even if you fuck it up. It'll, yeah, it'll, it'll thim and, you know. The worst you can it's do is you know, so when you're topping low on a plant like that, I would always top just below the 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 node above. So not okay. just above the node, but leave a, as much stump sort of as you can. And uh, if you're cut, topping to the what third I do node, then normal is like this normal. What's that? Bam. No hesitation. I love it. Looks good. Oh, the, the chat this... is definitely supportive here. <laughs> Oh no! No hesitation. Okay. That so you're going there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dog doctor. That was that was uh, well executed. Stopped. Done. Look at that. Painless. Everybody out there that's like scared to top your plants. Look at how easy that was. And like synced. It's very okay. hard to screw it up. People always ask like, why wouldn't you just LST? Because LST is hard, and you could break your plant in half, and you're not going to separate apical dominance as well. And like you need some some practice and, and knowledge to, to cut a plant in half like that. It is a simple snip. There you go. Done. Great job. Dr. MJ, that's unnatural. 
Yeah. Like it's just like a deer came somewhere. by, Matthew, and, and just you know, <laughs> ate, ate, ate a bit of the top. Okay, you convinced me. <laughs> some people do believe if you top it that it like somehow uh, you know takes away some special part of the plant, but I personally haven't uh, been able to say that I've noticed any difference between a topped plant and an untopped plant as far as like its uh, ability to produce high quality, amazing cannabis yeah. that I want to enjoy. I have another question for him now. So, are you going to leave all of the lower branches on that stock, or are you going to clean some of the lower branches off? No, I'm going to leave. Uh... Six of them. The rest I'm killing. Okay. All and this at this stage, here. you can just cut those little the little branches that you don't want off without cutting the leaves, since all the leaves are photosynthesizing and supporting the plant. What I do normally, it's this. Look, I can do it right away. Actually, me too. Just bend them back on themselves and they break right off. Yeah, gone. Yeah. It just. Whoop. It's like what Spartan did with his outdoor plant. Basically, They're, the little maintenance that you did do uh, was yeah. a few of those clearing out the inside of the plant. Yeah. Those can stay. I got to say, I love uh, bringing up people from the, the listeners and showing off the gardens. This is always adds, a, whether it's Noah the Groa or, uh, you know, Dog Doctor, it's, it's, Crack Babies, it's, it's always good to see you guys' gardens. It's really yeah. a pleasure. I know so ashes for now very well done i like the two little nodes right on top i do this normally so that they get more lights yeah that they can uh, stretch out i will be doing this for the next days until they are big enough and then i start opening them and all of them and this is what i do after and i will probably top them uh, one time more or two times more depending on they grow and on the space they have here so I cannot uh, top, 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 top too much anyway. So, but it's pretty much this I do. You want to see the clones? Yeah, let's see it. Okay. And I agree, even just one topping can uh, bush your plant out quite a bit. And then you can do a little bit of LST from there and uh, fill out your space really quick. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I almost think it's easier to LST once you've topped, actually, because oh, the way the plant right, grows. Right. Nice roots. We're yeah, getting we, all yeah. sorts of nice white roots tonight. About ready to flower, huh? They are ready to go to, to change. Yeah, but I know it's space, so they are here. <laughs> what what time is it roughly there? Because I know it's probably like morning there, right? Or Not super morning, late. I can say it's uh, 2.30 in the morning. Oh, wow. Late night. We appreciate you staying up with us and uh, listening, showing off the garden. This is awesome. And this is something I'm trying new. Nice. Mushrooms. Creating your own, creating your own CO2. Yes. Uh -huh. yes. That, that was exactly one of my questions. Actually, what happened here? Can you hear me? You cut I out for a second. Up, I can hear you now, though. Right, okay. I was thinking about since what I grew it for myself on uh, transforming this tent on a mushroom tent, but uh, not shrooms, shrooms, like mushrooms to eat and for meals and everything, and using the CO2 because they, they produce CO2 for the tent. Is this a good idea or yeah. shouldn't I do? Or shouldn't That's I a good idea. 
That is a good idea. Mm-hmm. For your health, Perfect. for the eating, and for the CO2, it's it's a great benefit. One, mushrooms are extremely expensive, so getting them locally cultivated is, is awesome. And you could also probably, I don't know, sell them in farmer's markets or uh, local restaurants. But two, you're going to add some CO2 to your room that you didn't have before, which will definitely help the plants grow. So win-win for sure. I've been digging in there's these bags that you just hold and you have to take care of them, of course, but it doesn't sound that difficult and it looks great. And I love mushrooms, so... I think Spartans tried one where you just like hang it in your room for extra CO2. And there's also ones that you like open it and just spray with a water bottle and it like grows out of a little box or bag or whatever. It's pre-inoculated basically. And there's a lot of uh, simple like grow your own mushroom kits now that yep. seem to make it a lot easier. And then when they're all done, those blocks, the mycelium blocks, the spent mycelium blocks, you can throw into a compost pile and you can add some fungal aspect to it or um, through a worm bin if you want. The worms love it. Um, it's a good... Uh, addition that's a good idea too nice i like that thank you i need to try to re- reconvince my wife to let me make a worm bin because today i drove an hour to try and go get some worm castings to a place and then they ended up not having them despite listing on their website i checked in stock for that specific item i, I really like Terravesco. it's from like sonoma valley worm farm uh, they were in like the biggest little farm i guess but um Clackham and Scoot recommended them and I used them for about a year or probably two years now, I guess, since the pandemic started because my local place shut down and uh, I definitely am a huge advocate for worm castings. I actually scrapped my last run and I'm not growing right now because I don't have worm castings to re-amend my veg. And uh, so taking a little break, but I've got some that'll be here in two days. So I'll be back starting up again soon. So I miss it already, even though it's only been a short period of time definitely miss taking care of the plants yeah for sure that's what's uh, always i'm sure everyone here has heard it before but i love that saying that uh cannabis you know using cannabis isn't addictive but growing it sure as hell is it is and it's, a, it's a therapy it's a therapy <laughs> yeah i'm a pretty big fan of using it though too let's just be oh yeah but i'm not addicted <laughs> i'm addicted to <laughs> I've grown, I've actually grown cannabis longer than I've smoked it. Really? Okay. Well, that's something. That's, that's (laughs) rare. I think some people are like that, but yeah, no. No, I've been smoking since I'm 13. So (laughs) I was growing, I was 16. First time I put a seat on the floor or something. Similar experience here. Uh, started smoking early and then grew a few years later, but uh, I was just a water boy for somebody else's uh, situation. I, <laughs> it was cool to get shown the ropes. It was kind of like a bigger version of what we're seeing over at Crack Babies. D- DWC, just shit ton of DWCs and instead of LEDs. It was HPS, but they made a killing and they ran all one fucking clone. It was this Afghan Kush flowered in about 47 days. It wasn't ready in 47 days, but they took it then. And uh, man, that shit moved like just crazy. So that was in mid 2000s. Wow. Looking back at it, it's just crazy to think like the prices back then, like six, $7,000 pounds. And the, the shit just, there was no break. It was like a $7,000 pound and it went all the way down. Like people were paying like $500 ounces, like just 400 yeah. you know, for good shit on the street back then, like dro or like dank, yeah. real good shit. It was expensive. And I was just getting paid like trimmings to like help trim and like i was just happy to be part of the fucking operation man i was young and dumb uh, but i definitely learned something from it and uh, i'm happy to still be able to do it now 
fucking long time later. Not as long as Tao. Shit, the OG in the room probably of all of us. I don't know. I was why. young and dumb. Now I'm just dumb. Now I'm joking. <laughs> now I'm just dumb. <laughs> Yeah, those prices were a very uh, beautiful thing at the time. Oh, man, in New York, I can imagine it would be quite advantageous. I heard some stories about like when sour was big, the prices that it was going for, just kind of ridiculous to think about. But when it's the best thing around and people have the money, uh, they're willing to pay whatever for it. I was getting $500 an ounce for a while. And looking back and thinking about that now, it's just like insane. That that's yeah. yeah. You just think about like, it, knowing the cost to produce. Sorry, Matthew, go ahead. That's right. No, uh, actually, this might. I'm curious if your question I think it synergizes with mine, which is that um, do you feel like with the price? This is sort of a, a weird topic. We don't have to get into it too much, but the price going down. Do you feel like? It has uh, affected, do you feel like it's had some maybe unintentional positive effects though, uh, particularly with regards to like people being competitive and perhaps even being uh, lethal about it and that kind of a thing where you were growing or not so much, Tao? Um, I guess it's open. I guess, you know, I would imagine that's why the, well, that was definitely partly why the price was so high because it was illegal and to actually produce something of that quality, someone was probably risking themselves because, you mm-hmm. know, I keep saying this and thinking this a lot now. Why the dispensary is most of the time is subpar? It's because it's it's traveled. Like just going in a car, you know. I, well, I don't know. I guess you could package it very well, and people probably do. But you know, just travel and time uh, break down stuff and change it. So, um. But yeah, being legal, it, the price is coming down is good, except for when somebody, well, I don't know if this is happening anywhere. Maybe I think it did in Canada, the, you know, the cutthroat pricing to get to get to put the other competitor out of business, which is good for the consumer, but not so good for everybody else. Happening in California, for sure. There are Absolutely. people selling at a major loss right, to so, get market dominance. Yeah. And I think and, anybody who smoked uh, before legalization was, you know, the, the converts were people that uh, had friends that smoked pot probably and be like, yo, now that it's legal, you have no reason to say no. Why don't you try it? <laughs> but I don't know. I could be wrong. Legality. People go over the speed limit all the time. You know, sure. There's a fine line to unless you're doing something that you feel is morally wrong. You know? Yeah. So, well, you know, as it becomes legal, we should expect the price to go down. And you know, the other side of this, I work with farmers, pretty mm-hmm. much the rule about people that farm, people that actually do the growing of plants, like with their hands, they're not wealthy people. Nowhere, nowhere in the world do people that, that grow plants with their hands. Farm owners sometimes are pretty wealthy people. Sometimes people that, that sort of farm with mass machines and have like, you know, a lot of fundias or something are, are pretty wealthy. But People that grow plants on the scale that we grow plants, they don't make money doing it really. And, and that's because it's, there's not a lot of barriers to entry to it. Um, it. It's something that people can do pretty easily and they can do for themselves. And you have to concentrate sort of a lot of capital in order to make a lot of money off of it. So the idea of having sort of a home grow size operation and, and sort of, you know, selling your, your, your harvest and making money from that is entirely a, an 
an economic profession that's sort of enabled because of the legal regime. Um, and this is sort of a, a part of the double-edged sword of the of how cannabis becomes legal and what happens to people that have been pioneers or been working in this industry for a long time as it does and the market dynamics around it start to change. But I mean, if we went to the sort of the basic agricultural economics about how much cannabis should, should be, should cost, um, it's still way overpriced compared to its production cost. Yeah. Doc, one of the things I was going to say is like, the legal market now is getting blamed because of the taxes and everything. So they're getting $60 an ETH. Right. That's how come there's a slew of black market growers that are getting away with it now easier and yeah. producing a lot, selling it cheaper than those. If it was just the meat or any home grower versus the dispensary, they could probably make it happen. But like the yep. onslaught and the production. And, and, and that's it, thing, right? Yeah. The, the heavy taxes that are applied to the, the consumer markets in medical and recreational states provide the pricing cover for the, the black and gray market producers to, to still have sort of room to live um, and, and to sell their, their product for enough. Because if the price really did get closer to the price of production at scale, and there were, weren't sort of legal obstacles around growing it at scale in an outdoor setting, um, the, the cost would really collapse. I mean, down Oregon. to like the cost of a bushel of wheat. We don't even have to talk, like speculate. Oregon, this happened. They gave out all the licenses. People grew as much as they could. And guess what happened? Ounces were being sold for less than a dollar a gram. You could get announce it wouldn't be the best stuff on the whole planet but i talked to people listeners of the show sent me photos like oh i got an ounce of jaeger for you know 25 bucks literally less than a dollar per gram and they showed it it was some loose trim and a lot of small buds but they said it was terpy and it got them medicated so it worked out for the consumer in that case um in other cases i think that it's not necessarily working out for the consumers like in california the tax is being too high pushes a lot of people to going to unregulated, which some people are fine in the unregulated market. They've been growing great, healthy plants or whatever, but there are people that do dubious things. Like there are cartels yeah. still growing it and spraying nasty ass shit. And yeah, there's we're cutting down forests. Like that's another thing that really pisses me off. Yeah. Or stealing water, doing any number of other things that stealing aren't really power. good social forces that are in our world right now. Yeah. Greed, huh? <laughs> One cool stat that I think I remember it right was that I read that it was cannabis was considered a cash crop now in the United States because it was the ninth most, the ninth biggest cash crop in the United States. So we broke yeah. the top 10 already. We're not even fully federally legal. So I thought that was that's just what they know of, right? Because they can't even count the black market sales. That's only counting <laughs> right. the, that's the legal tax to legal right. sales. Right. And that's very impressive because once it comes in all 50 states, which it's pretty close, we looked a few weeks back at like, there's only like five or six states that don't have some form and they're all gradually getting more. Like it might just be CBD only right now, or it might just be uh, hemp only right now, or uh, they have medical only and then it becomes rec. Um, but I think it's expanding and continuing to move forward and we're going to see more and more of it being tracked and traced and, and monitored because like San Francisco right now just eliminated 100% of the taxes. So they were, all their people were complaining, Hey, you know, we can't compete against the black market or un unregulated growers because they're not paying any tax. And so I think one of their council members said, you know what, let's try it. 
let's go zero tax for I don't know how long the time is, but they dropped it down to zero. And that's exactly what they did with alcohol prohibition. Um, when they remade alcohol legal, the taxes were like 1% or very, very, very low because they wanted to squeeze out the bootleggers and the people that might have you know contamination and other things in there. They wanted to get legal businesses doing it and uh, regulated. So it's a double-edged sword. There's positives and yeah, negatives. Yeah, that's really why they ended prohibition was to crush the the cartels that were supplying the the alcohol, um, and it was necessary to to undercut them. The attitude about ending prohibition for cannabis hasn't been the same, and I don't think we would want it to be the same necessarily. Um, in terms of wanting to sort of crush the people that were the suppliers in the previous era. Um, well, the difference right, is we're we not can certainly learn a lot of lessons from that as, as, as frequently, right? Like cannabis, the numbers aren't there back in the prohibition days. The yeah. one, the violence from like, there was, you know, mobs of people literally that had organized crime about bootlegging alcohol. That was a big thing. There's it's well documented. People were killed over the territory, like how any unregulated drug sort of creates these violent crimes and, uh, lots of, you know, issues around it yeah. But with cannabis we don't see massive amounts of of death and typically the people aren't violent not to say that there aren't violent people out there in cannabis that are getting arrested there are people out there that have you know firearms and maybe it's just to protect themselves but some of them are um just robbing people in the cannabis thing or like robbing grows without like doubt so, the the prohibition of cannabis has led to far more violence than cannabis has led to itself <laughs> right including without like the doubt. imprisonment and the things that come from that like right. sending somebody through the prison system and you know, a lot of times. Right. In, well, in whenever you have a black market like that, then it has to be. I mean, most business people defend their interests to enforce their contracts by going to court if they have to or calling the police if they have to. And when those options are taken off the table for your business, you end up enforcing your contracts through violence. Um, and that's sort of what happens in the drug market writ large. Um so yeah, it, there's there's problems with with this. We have to take a really level head though, because you know, as Spartans learned in other things, the way that we we deregulate and the specifics of sort of how how we go about doing these things really makes a tremendous difference. Yeah, there's totally hundred ways it could happen, right? But like most people really would only accept one or two that they they find very much more attractive. So making sure it kind of goes through the right filter. It's hard to get everyone to agree on the uh, same policy for sure. Even if it's uh, something that most people agree on the general concept, the actual legislation it comes down to can be difficult. But speaking of legislation, I want to say fuck the MCMA and pass it over to Spartan, <laughs> who's about to give his final thoughts and shout out. Hey, thanks, Jack. And I agree. You know, let me second that. Fuck the MCMA. I'll, I'll be the second one on that one. But uh, yeah, cheers, everybody. As always, it was fucking awesome to hang out with you guys, catch up with you again. Um, Hey, I'm excited. We got uh, fucking the legend, Ed Rosenthal, coming down the Michigan Rose Grow Show here in about 15 minutes. So uh, I'm excited to get over there and, and talk with Ed and uh, hopefully see some of you guys out there. And cheers, chat. Always awesome to hang with you guys as well. And thanks for the good questions today. I love it when we have good questions and coming on the show, Dog Doctor. And uh, what was My the pleasure, other? buddy. I forget the other one. Who was it? Crack no, babies. Okay. Crack babies. Crack, yeah, crack babies. Sorry, man. Cheers, Bert. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thanks for sharing, guys. Appreciate it. Cheers, Cheers everybody. Love you all. Girl, love, Spartan. Girl, love,
Fuck them. <laughs> you can find him at Spartan Grown or email him at spartangrown at gmail.com. Always great to have him. Uh, awesome dude. Very knowledgeable and passionate. I love uh, basically how he's kept up so diligently on the MCMA's sort of actions, all the different little policies that are being thrown up and then helping people understand what they actually say and, and you know, why they should speak out against it and, and contacting their council people and getting them to actually say, Hey, we're going to commit to a no vote against this poor policy because you explained it to us. And it's not in any of our best interests other than these few greedy companies. So uh, big ups to Spartan. And I also want to second him and say big ups to uh, dog doctor and crack movies DWC for joining us. It's really uh, nerve wracking for a lot of people, listeners to come on the show for the first time or, or even coming back on the show, um, showing off your garden in front of hundreds of people live and then ultimately thousands of people after uh we're done airing so it's really cool for you guys to come on and show off your garden talk about your genetics and just uh be part of the panel for the, the week so we're very happy to have you it's truly Likewise, a pleasure Jeff. for me thank you very much i gotta oh, say yeah. the mask is fitting <laughs> when the, the name dog doctor and then it, you came on it definitely looks like a dog mask so it works it is a dog mask Thank you. <laughs> uh, I mean, like this, I can, uh, it's not tape over it and I can actually talk and I feel like I'm talking. So Speaking of yeah, talking, you're definitely audible. So it works out that way. For sure. I just have a, a random question that's not grow related. And that's how many languages do you speak living over there? Uh, one, two, three, four, five. All, yeah, all working wow. language, right? Wow. That's pretty impressive. Talk Americans. Quintiglot. Mind blown. <laughs> My Spanish is okay, and I know a little sign language, but I definitely can't claim five. <laughs> so that's very uh, impressive. What languages it's, it's are there. they? I, I want to uh, I'm going to tell you three of them, and I'm going to leave the other ones around. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. That's no, fine. You don't want to dox yourself. No, definitely. Uh, I speak French, a little bit of Italian, a little bit, and I speak Spanish, and I speak um, English. English. Uh, yeah. And I can understand and speak a few a few more. Very nice. This uh, because I was traveling a lot when I was young. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I guess I pick up when I was traveling. Be Roman in Rome. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I wish and I would have picked up more language when traveling. Definitely haven't done enough of it, I guess, to uh, immerse myself. I think when you're over there, when everything's kind of so close together and so many different languages are spoken within, like in the US, if you drive 10 hours one way or like took a train, you're still speaking English, it, you know, whether you're in Texas or in Ohio or, you know, Maine, whatever, everybody's speaking English for the most part. Um, when you get down south, there's a lot more Spanish, but uh, for, the, for the most part, you're going to hear English everywhere here. But over there, you could get French, you know, and then take a train a few hours it's, and you get Spanish and then, you know, Slovenian and Croatian and all these little tiny languages that kind of build into their greater languages. It's crazy. There's many, many of them. It's pretty cool. But you guys, you guys, it's cool. Also, you, you have an Europe, <laughs> but all the Europe you guys have, it's all in English, but uh, U.S. each state, it's like a country in Europe, kind of just bigger. It does ones. feel that way. I mean, our economy in California, I think is like the fifth largest in the entire world, just as a single state. Which just is- California? Yeah, just as yeah. California. Our agriculture is just so insane. And, and other like entertainment, other uh, exports that we have make so much money. Wine um, and Hollywood. lots of stuff. Hollywood, yeah. And Silicon Valley. Google and Silicon Valley, exactly. Formerly Tesla, the but they just moved to Texas. 
Yeah, the smartest computer in the world, supposedly, it's there. This AI oh, right MIT, here. you mean? If you want to uh, yeah. ask any questions, I'm right here. Smartest <laughs> man in the world, the American one. Anti-aging but, expert. Uh, cannabis cookie. Now I understand why we're the superpower. California is, what was that quote? One, one fifth, like, the fifth. Fifth largest. Fifth, fifth largest economy in the world. In the world. Big bread basket for agriculture. Yeah, so considering the federal government has California plus the rest of America, yeah. All, well, all the people who, um, it's funny to me, the people who say that, I mean, I totally empathize with the sentiment, but like moving out of uh, California for uh, tiredness of some of the restrictive legislation, I get it. But um, at the same time, I would rather be closer to <laughs> the Californian breadbasket than farther away from it personally speaking, although I suppose you could make an argument for the Midwest. You can make an argument with, for someplace with more water or more stable supplies yes. of water. Maybe every the Pacific state, Northwest. Every state has sure. a very good argument to be made for it. Yeah. Um, some people are going to agree or disagree, and that's why we all kind of choose where we end up living, hopefully. Some people are born there and stay there forever, but um, I definitely traveled from where I originally was born and have lived in multiple states. That's generous, Jack, saying every state has a good claim. No, I'm joking. I, You know, I really do believe that. And maybe this is just like overly proud as an American, but I've been able to travel a bit uh, and seen a lot of a lot of the different states. And I do think sometimes we get in this fog of thinking, oh, I'm from here. So my hometown sucks. And then people like I live in San Diego. I know people that are from here that are like, oh, man, this place sucks. They never go to the beach. They never do any of like the hikes. They never do any of the beautiful shit that is offered to them because they just grew up around it and they take it for granted. Um, and then yeah, there's people San that San Diego is not really one of those places that everybody says sucks, Jack. Like, there are trust some... me, I last night <laughs> had a native San Diegan complaining to me about yeah, how no, much I it sucks. I get it, but there are they some have... places that are worse, is what I'm trying to get. Oh, I agree. There 100%. are some places that are, are yeah, well, anyways. I shit on Ohio, and I'll say this like, I don't love the winter, but people do enjoy that. And that there's like, you know, you can look yeah. at like positives of it, like, they're one of the only places that has like ice wine and, uh, they have the Great Lakes and they have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Football Hall of Fame. And there's all these little highlights that you can list off that would be really good things for some people, but some people don't give a shit about. <laughs> so it's it's easy to uh, bag on a place, but I definitely think that we have a lot of freedoms here. Most most states allow us to grow cannabis now, or at least hemp, um, which is cool. I think we're moving the right direction. And like I said, maybe I'm just overly proud as an American. But with that said, I'll pass it to the American one first, because uh, normally mm. I save you for last. <laughs> and and uh, we're going to do our final thoughts and shout outs. Every state in the union is great. Some are just way better than others. That's what I'll say. But okay, yeah. and you know what? The people are all the same everywhere in the world. So, you know what I'm saying? So that's another thing to take into consideration. But yeah, some... If you like people a lot, you could go to New York. If you don't like people so much, go to Nebraska. That's all. But um, I'm the American one on the YouTubes and the American one underscore with underscore Keens on the IG. Most people know where to find me. And uh, yeah, it was great chatting it up. We had some good, diverse discussion. Thank you, Dog Dog, Dog, Dog Doctor and Crack Babies for showing us your plants. They all looking great. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us, Tao. Uh, Bill Burr has a joke about how everywhere he goes and does comedy, it's just like a bunch of, in his words, like dudes chasing a bunch of broads. And uh, I'll make it relatable to cannabis and say it's just everywhere you go, it's just a bunch of dudes growing a bunch of plants, you know, and chasing after those females, at least in cannabis. So with that said, I want to pass it back to Dog Doctor and uh, let the people know where they can find you. And uh, thank you again for joining us.
I'm much appreciated, you guys, for having me, Jack, Chat, and everybody. You can find me on Instagram pretty much on the Dog Doctor Official and on uh, Grow Diaries. I don't know if anybody goes there. I have my journals there where I keep my plants and you can see what I do. It's pretty much my love and what I do. And then much thanks for everybody. You, Jack, to the American man, Matthew, everybody, Mr. Coco. The chats, it's really an honor. Please keep doing this when we keep showing up if possible. Thank you. We will, we will. And that's Dr. Coco to you, sir, who I'll pass uh, it to doctor. next. Sorry. <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, no, no worries. I'm just being, I'm busting your chops a little bit. He, uh, he is actually a doctor, though. He earned it. So I, I want to give him the credit. He deserves it. Should I go next, Jack? Yes, yes, Doc. I think up. so. Hey guys. Uh, yes, I am Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. I want to make sure everybody knows about our New Year's Grow Challenge. It starts January 1st. We are doing media groups this year. So people in peat-based media, people in cocoa, people in water, people in soil. Um, I think soil is probably less common than you may think. Um, because most of that's going to be in the Pete group, but it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got a big giveaway the first week. Um, and yeah, I hope everybody comes and grows with us in the New Year's Grow Challenge. Find that on cocoforcannabis.com forward slash challenge. And like I said, at the top of the show, I'm doing a big giveaway with my next part test video. I think I'll get it out on Wednesday evening. Um, so stay tuned for that. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and grow our love, everyone. I had a lot of fun on the show today. Thanks to our special guests, Dog Doctor and Crack Babies, everybody else on the panel and Jack for always hosting and the chat. I, I love everybody in the chat. Grow our love. Totally. Grow love to the chat for sure. They had some great questions tonight and uh, we had some awesome panelists. And the next one I want to pass it to is uh, Crack Babies DWC. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Jack. Thanks. Uh, thanks, everyone, man. Uh, the show is amazing. I always love uh, hearing all the information and everybody in chat, the whole sphere of everybody that comes here to the, the related channels, you know, FCP and Eagle and all these guys that, that, that just provide great content there. I'm really humbled by it all. So I'm, I'm really glad to be able to join all this. So a big shout out to everybody in chat, the panel and uh, everybody rose, man. Grow or love. Have a great night. Girl, love to you. Thank you for joining us this week. I always enjoy the uh, great engagement in the chat. We've got some people that are also fellow content producers, uh, Smart Poker, I see Cheddar Bob and a few others. Uh, so you get Potent Ponics in the chat occasionally and uh, many, many great people. A lot of the Michigan Bros Grow Show guys hang out and there's just so many great people. I can't even name them all, but I want to give Matthew his final uh, thoughts and shout out opportunity. Sorry, I froze. Um, I meant to pass it over to Matthew. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, my name is Matthew Gates. I'm an integrated pest management specialist. And if you're interested in my plant health information and uh, some of the places where I've been talking about this, you can find some of my work on uh, Skunk Magazine, not only their website, but also uh, their last few issues and the foreseeable um, issues as well as a staff writer. I am also, I was talking on the uh, second annual virtual aquaponics conference uh, where we talked about uh, the Everswarm and the various uh, pests of cannabis, uh, common and rare, and some of the new ones coming up. 
and uh, how, how the context of the pest ecology is changing, uh, not only in the United States of America, but also globally. And uh, you can also find a lot of my uh, information about that kind of research and my interpretations of research on my YouTube channel, Zenthanol, uh, which is the one I've been commenting in here. So um, if you're interested in that, please take a look at my stuff. Also on Instagram at SyncAngel and on Twitter at SyncAngel. Thank you so much for joining us. And I also want to say cheers to Noah the Grower, Aaron the Grower, uh, Kyle of Pure Breeding, and Brandon Rust of Bokashi Earthworks, who joined us earlier. Uh, I want to say thank you again one final time to Dog Doctor and Crack Babies DWC. And uh, if you want to find more of my information behind me, you can see my Instagram. I actually haven't posted there in a very long time. Instagram has been pretty weird about trying to like delete people's posts and cannabis related stuff. So I just kind of DM people and do stories for the most part if I ever do post over there. Um, but yeah, that's where my primary content is. I haven't been posting too much. This uh, show is about as much time, free time as I've got for my cannabis content per week, um, which that said, I might be posting the podcast a little late. I have to do a, a work event tonight with Lady Greenstock, a little uh, cannabis, you know, business, um, you know, engagement, I guess, getting to know people. So that should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, if you want to get a copy of my book, 50strains.com, if you want to find me on Twitter, Jack underscore Greenstock. And if you need to, uh, if you're not on social media at all, you can hit up jackgreenstock47 at gmail.com. Big ups to the chat. Really awesome people. Uh, so we did definitely get to a lot of the questions. And if we did miss you, uh, feel free to DM us. I try to get back to basically everybody. I don't think that I've ignored anybody. If I did, resend me a message and I'll try to get back to you. So with that said, uh, Jack Greenstock signing out. Peace and love, y'all. Sure love, everyone. Sure love, everyone. Thank you. Sure love. We'll see y'all at the same time next week. Have a good one. We'll be here.